This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thanks. Um, so I'll talk about the power of the testimony. Um, before I do, I didn't really get a, uh, I didn't feel I needed to share it, but I had a, a picture during service as well. I don't want to hog the mic all the time, but now that I've got the mic, you... I had a picture of someone of blocks, like these blocks, and then there's a void, and then there's blocks again. And I don't know if it's for someone in the construction industry or building industry or something that I just felt there's a word for them to say that there's a, there's, it feels as though God is in your blocks, but there's a place where God is not filling. The void that you've got is the, you, you haven't allowed God in. So if that's for you, kind of... Pray about it, ask God to tell you what it means and come to someone afterwards and pray, pray with him. Okay, awesome. Okay, so I want to talk about testimonies. Before I talk about testimonies, I want to talk about stories. We were talking, some of the people, I think in the prayer meeting, we were talking about stories and how awesome stories are. If you look at the definition of stories, a story is a narrative which could be uh, true or fictional, and it's there to sort of generate or make someone excited, bring some interest or to uh, amusement or, or even instruction. So that's what a story is. I've actually been writing a story. I haven't, it's like a short story. Um, might come out a little bit lame. It's called, it's called The Story of Friends. I mean, it's, can you, I've got six chapters done so far, but I haven't written for about, probably about five, six years anyway. But I'll share with you anyway. Okay, so a little while ago, there were two individuals just hanging around. There was Timon, who, was quite a, who had quite a rough life up to then and seemed content to settle for whatever life had to deal with. She had her independence and was very wise from her experiences and studies. On the other hand, there was Pumba, just going around through life, happy-go-lucky. You guys obviously know Pumba and Timon. It's kind of based on them a little bit. Okay, um, happy-go-lucky. Pumba had, had recently moved from the big town to the forest. Then one day, Pumba caught a glimpse of Timon. Wow! What a baby thought. The forest seemed to be the best place to, <laughs> to be just because Timon was there. As it happened, Timon was a little reserved in the beginning. So Pumba had to, had, had to use his special charm to entice her on a date. Okay, so that's just a story. It might seem a little bit lame. Um, and I'm not going to explain the story to you. Some of you might kind of figure it out, um, knowing my story. Um, but anyway, that, that's just a story. <laughs> yeah, I just... Changed Timon into a girl, otherwise it wouldn't work, okay? <laughs> otherwise it'll just be wrong. <laughs> this romance would not be able to be shared in church if Timon wasn't a girl, okay? Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> but that's just a story. There's no testimony out of that, okay? But then, then there comes a testimony. Now, a testimony is now, from that, there needs to be something... Well, the definition of a testimony is actually something that provides evidence of something that, is, that has happened or evidence of something that is true. So it can be a formal verbal or written evidence or proof of something that is real. So in, in, in a Christian context, we're talking about God. So our testimony is providing evidence that God is real, that Jesus is real, that the Holy Spirit is real. So whatever testimony we give, at the end result of that is to, is to say, hey, Jesus is real. You know, God is real. God is amazing. You know, and, and, and everything needs to testify as evidence. So all the stories you hear is information which ends up to be a testimony of 
how real God is. And that's what a testimony is. So we could have, I've got lots of stories, um, and some of the stories have resulted in testimonies. Some of them haven't, which is just a cool story, like the one I just read to you. It's a cool story, maybe. I don't know, maybe it's lame. But um, it's actually a cool story once you read the rest of the, the, rest of the story, the other six chapters. So, so a testimony needs to bring glory and honor to God because that's bringing evidence of, of him. So tonight I'm going to ask a couple of people to share testimonies. I think God has placed people in this congregation tonight and the Potch team come in as well and others in, 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 in our congregation for a specific purpose and a specific reason. I don't think there's anything that's um, just by the way, giving a testimony. I think it's a specific word for specific people for a specific time, and that's tonight. So when, when anyone comes up here and shares a testimony, it, it's a word for someone specific here. It's, it's not just random. God doesn't do random. God does specific stuff. So, so, so listen to, to everything that we're going to share, but at the same time, listen to see what God is saying to you. If, that, if, if there's a word that God's speaking to you through someone else, then just receive that and say, okay, God, you're speaking to me. I need, I need to do something with this. And just, just ask God to guide you to, to sort of deal with whatever, whatever he wants you to deal with. So in terms of giving honor to God, I, I just felt we needed to just he, hear the healing testimony. So I just want to um, ask B to just come up and just share a little bit about um, a healing testimony. And I, I just feel that, it might speak to someone you specific as well. Hi, guys. So my name is B. <laughs> I study communication in Potch, and I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were solid foundations in my life. They have always have been. And unfortunately, I went to a school where I was tormented and bullied till the end of matric. So I started getting, at a very young age, I had a, a huge amount of meds and stuff to drink because I developed quite a severe case of depression, and my mom got cancer in, in between the process as well, and it didn't make things better. So when I was in grade 10, she was first diagnosed with cancer, and our family was just falling apart. And I believed in God. I just didn't know if he was real and if he was really there for us. So I just tagged along and finished my trick, and I started Potch in a rough place because all my siblings went to Stellenbosch, so I was the only one in Potch, so it was lonely. And I went to Potch, and I was so excited, and it wasn't the first weekend I came home. My whole family was home. And unfortunately, my mom's cancer had spread into liver cancer, and she started with she started with breast cancer, and she'd just been in remission, and she had to get liver cancer. And when you taste for depression, you have like a little circle, and just to see where everything's in balance, and mine was way off, like way off. And I had like eight tests in two years just to see if I'm all right. I was in a mental hospital as well, just for stabilization. And I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what to do, I didn't know what was the truth? I didn't know if God was going to heal my mom. And things got so much worse, and she had to get chemo. And chemotherapy, for those of you who don't know, it's very scary if it's someone that you love. My mom's hair only started falling out after nine weeks, so it was very powerful. And I said to my mom, you know, what now? And then my mom said to me, in the midst of her sickness, she was literally on her deathbed, and she said, I'm trusting in God for healing. And to me, it was the most amazing thing to see someone who's literally trying to raise five kids and she's trying to keep her husband happy and she just said she's praising God and she's thanking God. And she came back from chemo one day and she felt very bad because you feel nauseous and she was so nauseous and I said to my mom, now what? And she said, no, she needs to go to America to get treatment. And I said to my mom, with what money? Because it cost 3.2 million rand and we didn't have that. My mom said, no, she's trusting God to provide. And I said to my mom, what even? How? I don't even understand. So I went back to Potch, 
And I phoned them um, about a week later, and they were packing. And I said to them, where are you guys going? No, they're going to America. 3.2 million rand appeared in my dad's account. They don't know from who it is. We still don't know from who it is. They went to America, and they didn't pay a cent. So they came back from America, and the treatment didn't work. <laughs> and it got worse, and it got worse. And her cancer count sprung to 247. And for those of you who don't know, you have like a little line. And if you're above that line, then there's not much that can be done. You can get chemo. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And in between, I had to go test. And I'd, in that time, I'd given my heart to the Lord, and I just trusted God. And we kept praying, and my whole family kept on praying, and my sister got married. And we all prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And something, I don't know, I had to test again, and I was so anxious. And obviously, I knew the depression had gotten worse, and it's going to be more pills. And I was just so, my heart was so hard because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I sat there waiting for the results, and the doctor came out. She said, she's not going to give me results because I don't have depression anymore. My circle had moved from the left side perfectly into the middle. There's nothing out of balance. I don't drink meds for antidepressants anymore. I don't have, I don't have anxiety or stuff anymore. It's, God's just healed. The other day, my mom had to go for a blood test, and it just kept getting worse, and it kept getting worse. And my mom said, she sat in the doctor's room. My dad was with her, and she couldn't speak. She couldn't comprehend it. And I said to her, what do you mean? She said, <laughs> she said, B, I don't have cancer anymore. <laughs> My mom's cancer count had gone from 247 to 9. And my mom doesn't need chemo every day. She only gets it once a month now. And I asked my mom, how do you feel? And she said, all honor to God. And I just want to say that to you guys, just even though things looked so bad, it was, it was really, started looking like it was the end. And when my mom phoned and she said, B, I don't have cancer anymore, I couldn't believe it. And that just proved to me, once and for all, God is good. And God is a God of miracles, and God heals. <laughs> Amazing. God heals depression. God heals cancer. Amen. Good to believe that. So, so God, we bring, testimonies bring honor to God. What testimonies also do is when you're going through a bad time, like, like that, um, some of the other testimonies as well, but, but God gives hope. The testimony actually gives people hope. That if you're going through a similar situation, you can, you can come through it because someone else has testified they've come through it. Um, sometimes when you're going through those trials, you, 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 can, you can look at that as an opportunity for how God has made you strong in, in that. You could sit back and say, woe is me, and, and, and sort of be all, all, all sorry for yourself. Or you can say, okay, God, make me strong so that I can give a testimony through this. Um, there's another testimony that I, that I want um, to share. Um, I, just, I just felt that uh, there's something special that she needs to share tonight as well. Um, so, yeah, Sapang, you want to just share with us as well? Hi, Ella. Awesome. So, um, I also grew up in church, like, all my life. Um, my mom is a single parent, and um, she took me to church all along um so my life was good you know I was happy and stuff up until I was six years old and I was sexually abused um by my neighbors twice and then obviously I didn't tell anyone about it because of all the shame which which um it brings um so I went on with my life thought everything was okay and Unfortunately, when I was nine, it all happened again, but this time for a very long time, until, I don't know, my teenage years. 
Um, and when I was in high school, a lot of the memories just started to haunt me. And I fell into a very deep depression. And I tried to do it on my own. So because I was trying to cope alone, um, what basically happened was that I fell into this downward spiral and um, a lot of addictions um, came by prescription drugs, um, painkillers, because I was dependent on painkillers to sleep. Um, and um, I would use social media or whatever, just whatever I could find to self-destruct because that seemed like the way for me. Um, and I continued to go to church. And um, this one time during service, a pastor, it was an American pastor, came. And he gave me prophetic word. He told me stuff about my life, which no one um, could ever know. And that day I just gave my life to the Lord. Um, so, well, it is still a process. I think it's still a process now. Um, a lot of um, healing is still taking place. <laughs> and But then it's amazing because now I'm not doing it alone and Jesus is he's my guide. Um, so um, today I got um, Psalm 34, verses 17, and it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And then verse 22, the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. So um, what abuse does Basically, it does make you feel condemned. Um, I felt dirty. I felt unworthy and just so ashamed. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, I had this encounter with God's love. And it just changed me forever. Um, so I feel like this whole sanctification um, thing began to happen. And um, again, I got a vision um, before missions um, and I just saw my heart and how broken it was um, but I saw God take it and take all those pieces putting them together and wherever there was like a crack or whatever he told me take heart that too will go away it's still part of the healing it's still a process and he's um, there with me um, so I don't know if this is a word for anybody, but yeah, God will walk you through the process. And um, yeah, there's just total healing and freedom in him. And all we have to do is just surrender. No matter how hard or how painful the situation is, just surrender. Awesome. So God restores. God mends hearts. God, God just restores in, in amazing ways. Um, 
That's why I don't want to speak too much because if you hear these testimonies, I feel like I shouldn't be speaking much at all. But yeah, God, I mean, there's lots of verses. I'm not going to share all the verses. There's verses about um, Revelation talks about um, uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And that's what it is. When, when, we, when we speak these things to other people, it brings victory. It brings that overcoming. So, so it's important for us to speak. Each one of us have testimonies. If you don't have a testimony, we're going to pray for you tonight that you will have a testimony. You're not going to leave here if you don't have a testimony. So we're going to block the doors. We're going to, we're going to ask you, do you have a testimony? Yes, okay, you can go out. You say, no, okay, you stay. Jackson, we're not going to do that, but we'll, we'll, we'll find a way of making sure you leave here with a testimony. Okay. Um, but what a testimony does is a testimony truly transforms lives. That's what it does. It changes lives. It changes your life, and it changes other people's lives. So when someone hears a testimony, that person's life gets changed and transformed because they receive that. They get set free of the thing that, that, that you are te- uh, testifying about. So you test, we testify about how great God is, who God is, um, and, and that God is a God of breakthrough, and he wants to bring breakthrough. So the things we testify is the things that we want to release breakthrough in. A testimony releases that breakthrough. So... so God works in very strange ways. Um, there's some one or two uh, quotes that I want to show. There's one about um, the prison. Just go to the next one. There. Your story could be the key that unlocks someone else's prison. Don't be afraid to share it. Sometimes we, we reserved in, in terms of what we want to share or how we need to share it or who we need to share it to. But imagine there's people that are stuck in this prison. They, 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 they feel they got, they, they're in bondage and, they, and they, 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 they're stuck in this place. And just by you sharing your testimony could be the key that unlocks it and sets him out of prison. Just imagine, just imagine that, that you, you could be that key for someone else's life, just saving someone else's life. I mean, there's, there's a story a while ago um, where I had a dream about someone wanting to kill themselves. I'm not going to go into all the details, but there was a, someone trying to shoot themselves, and I said, no, stop, and they tried to shoot me, and then I ducked and did like a matrix move or something, and I, was, I didn't die. So it wasn't about me in danger, it was about that person. And then they tried again. I said, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. And then I shared that in church, and, and there was a person in church that, that came there that morning and um, was uh, going to commit suicide after church. And I sh- shared the word with them, and they came and said, hang on, that story is me, and God is speaking to me. And, and it was a key that unlocked their, their life because they were going to kill themselves. They said they couldn't do it anymore. And just by someone sharing a word, Stefan also had a word for some, some other guy the one Sunday evening, and, and he shared it, and that guy was also thinking of committing suicide, and, and he responded, and, and it saves lives. And you might think it's like a weird thing or something, and, and, but it, it, it's that key. It's just that key. And I think it's exciting. If, if, if you can get that key and share it, it's like awesome, you know? And it's not about you. It's about just someone else. You know, can you, how can you save someone else's life? And, and, and God's given each of us keys. Each of us have got a testimony for someone else's prison that, that you, need to, you need to open up for them. Um, another um, quote, if you just skip two slides, the next one. It's quite cool as well. Only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victory. That's like all of our lives. I, I've got, I don't want to go into my life, um, but uh, I was, lived quite a um, life of sin, basically, just living the life, um, everything on the list I've probably done already, 
um, but, but, but God was gracious enough to, to save me. So I, I, I was a mess, okay? And, and God used that into a message, kind of more ways than one, because I actually preached on that a few times in a, in a message, so, which is quite cool. I mean, um, I've had lots of tests, and out of those tests, one of the tests, or two, three of the tests, one, one or two of them I'll share quickly. My, my wife and I have um, had eight miscarriages, and we've been trying for kids, and we haven't had kids, and now we don't have kids. But in all that time, it was a test, a test of faith. And, and, and I passed the test. Yeah, we didn't for once turn away from God. You know, we're still faithful to him. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't, you know, there's sadness and all that stuff you've got to deal with, but, but God restores. But, but the test is, do you love me? Will you still love me even if you don't have kids? And, and it's yes. And I can use that to share with other people. Maybe they're going through something similar and I can bring hope to them to say, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Um, I was also in a job where I basically lost my job the company went liquidated, and I had to start all over again, and I had to fund a new business, started a business, and, and it, was, it was like hectic. I didn't, it was a place that could have been very stressful, and, and God just made it work. I just, just said, okay, God, I'm going to start a business. It's going to be your business, and from day one, we've had business. For the last 13 years, we haven't had one day, really, where we haven't been able to meet all the expenses, and, and even more, to be blessed to be able to fund going to missions. So I've used the business for that. We, we, we use the business to bless for, for the kingdom. And, and we've been able to go to Rio and go to Manaus and all these weird and wonderful places, India and all these places on missions because God has blessed our business. So we use the business to bless, bless his business. So there's just lots of stories. So, so God, I mean, I've got lots of stories I can share, but I don't want to share them. I, I want you guys, the, some, some more of you to share. So, so one other testimony I want to share about maybe being a messed up life um, and um, sort of uh, I apologize for maybe saying it like that. But, but there's a very powerful story that I, I feel Richard has got to share with us about the place he was in, but, but that God took took that place of a, of a mess into, into a place of a message. And I, feel, I just feel he needs to share that message now quickly. Um, just hope I can get through the message. It's <laughs> something that's really, that the Lord's really been pressing on my heart. Um, now, so I'll start by just quickly running through the testimony, but I want to get to the message. Um, so... Uh, I grew up pastor's son, uh, so I, from young age already I heard God's voice, and I kind of had a relationship with him, and I thought I was okay, and went on, but there was really no, no intimacy, and when I got to matric, made some new friends, started drinking with them, went into university, and then it all came. So it was weed, drink, immorality, whatever. And in second year, I started going back to church, and God started working my life again. And I got back to him, but really still no intimacy. And um, it's really just an overview. There's so many stories inside of that still. But this year... I fell back into, like, went with old friends, you know, did some weed, you know, and I thought I was fine. I was a leader in church. And 
then just before the April vacation, um, we had a small assignment. It was really nothing big, but my friend sent me his, and I submitted his work just like that. I didn't even think about it, and I could re- literally stop studying just for that. And obviously it came flag plagiarism, and I thought, it's over. Like, four years gone, how c- I can't face this shame. And I went into such a deep hole, and, and to the point that I wanted to commit suicide. I, was, I wasn't going to tell anyone. I was just going to go to the engineering building and jump off. And thank God that he saved me. <laughs> um, so I went to church one last time. And uh, the guy shared a message of salvation. Like it was for people to get saved. I didn't even actually listen to the message. But God just started working in my heart. And I went to the altar call. He said he's going to count from 10 down. And if you're not here by one, it's done. So when he said 10, I was there in front of the stage. (laughs) And God really freed me. I never knew I could cry so much. (laughs) And um, these people came and prayed with me for just a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. And my whole body went numb. It's a story on its own, but since then, the only thing that I've seen as the most important is being intimate with God. That's the only place that you can't fall off. And um, that's where I want to get to the message. Um, It might be hard for some of you to hear, but I really just felt... um, I should share it. So it's in Matthew 7. So I'm going to read Matthew 7 verse 13. It's about the narrow and the wide gates. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate is broad. uh, um, For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And then I want to skip a few and go to verse 21. Um, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from you evildoers and... Through my old testimony, it's like there was never any intimacy. If I was to die then, I wouldn't make it into it. And I think many of us, just as I did, sit here and we think, but we're okay, we've seen healings, we've prayed for people, but really there's no intimacy. And I just really want to challenge you guys, like, I don't know if we're going to do an altar call or anything, but really I want to challenge you that the only thing that you take, if it's the only thing you take from tonight, is that you need to see intimacy with God as the highest thing on your priority list. Because you can see how many things, you can see a leg grow back. It will not get you into heaven. 
But knowing God will get you there. Cool. Um, a few of the things that Richard shared now, uh, he talks about salvation is the first testimony that is actually, the, and probably the most important testimony, about really knowing God, that intimacy, about really knowing God. And, and, you know, you might think you don't have a testimony, but each one of us have got a testimony. The first testimony we should have is a testimony of salvation. Okay. You need to know God. You need to know Jesus is, a, is, is your Savior. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't, then, 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 then that's the testimony number one that you have to have. You can't, you can't start searching for other testimonies and these other stories if you don't have that number one testimony. So, so we're going to have an altar call later on, and, and, and I, want, I want to challenge you that if you don't have that number one testimony first, you, 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 need, you need to come and let someone pray for you and, and, and tell you about Jesus, how, how to really have that intimacy with, with, with Jesus. Something else he mentioned about the intimacy as well is, is really knowing who you are. You know, it doesn't matter about where you've come from and the stuff you've done and stuff like that. God, God can restore that. Um, and, 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 yeah, um, God's just, a, a, got, just a, got so much grace on our lives. Um, a story for another day. Some of you might know it in the church, but um, as you can see, I'm blind in my right eye. I've had one two incidents that actually resulted in the blindness, okay? Um, so, so that's a story if you want to ask me at, uh, during um, coffee afterwards, you're welcome to do that. Um, but then after that, since then, I've also had, uh, he talks about action, I've also had some action. I've, I've almost lost this other eye about three times. Um, so God's been a God of protecting. So that, that's a testament is God's protected me. Over and above that, normally you would expect, I mean, I've got a bit of a funny-looking eye. I should have, like, the serious uh, sort of self-image problem, you know. I shouldn't kind of be standing up and feel like that's okay to, like, talk in front of a couple of hundred people. But I grew up, I grew up, and it was like, um, I'll just pretend there's angels behind you to make up the hundred that we, we don't see, okay. But, but I, I mean, for some reason, it was, like, amazing. God, God just gave me confidence, like, I shouldn't have it. I should be this, this uh, well, I was a nerdy, thin little dude when I was at school, but I should be this introvert. And God said, no, carry on, go play rugby, go do all these things that everyone else does, you know. Do extreme sports and jump out of planes and do all these things that, that most people would be too scared to do. And like, okay, cool, I don't, I'll do it, I don't mind. Give me an opportunity to bungee jump, skydiving, a little bit more worried about now. But those kind of things, I'll, I'll do it, you know. Um, Shock edge diving, whatever. It's like, yeah, bring it on. And, and I don't know, God just gave me a supernatural confidence to be able to do that. And, and I praise him for that. So uh, there's, there's all these stories. You can just think about your story. Think about your life story and say, okay, what is a testimony out of that? There is a testimony, you know? I, I believe I see that. God, God has healed me as well. I had a condition called hemophilia where my blood didn't clot. And it's apparently an incurable disease. My mom prayed for me and I don't have that anymore. So boom, you know, it's like awesome. <laughs> And then you mentioned also, some, uh, one of the, the guys also mentioned about being a leader, leader in a church, for example, and, and having all these awesome healings, and, and Stefan also mentioned going on missions, and I love missions, so mission shirt I was going to wear, sorry I didn't, but I love missions, going on missions is like really cool, it's like stuff happens, it's like really exciting stuff, but um, th- there's a verse in, in Acts 20, uh, 20, verse 24, um, just go, that one there, yeah. 
But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, we talk about ministry, and some people think ministry is like going on a mission trip. Some people think ministry is being an elder or, 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 or being, doing, doing some function in the church. That's not, not what ministry is about. Ministry is about testifying about Jesus. So each one of us have got a ministry. So each one of us have to go out and fulfill our ministry. Yes, it's cool. You go on missions, it's like you see things happen. Demons running away and cancer being healed and people being slain in the spirit hectically. It's all awesome. But the biggest ministry which each one of us have is to go out and just tell someone about Jesus. That's what ministry is about as well. Plus all the rest. Um, another story about um, infilling of the Holy Spirit. I, I had an amazing encounter with God. Um, I don't know how many of you know Randy Clark. Um, I went to, he was here in East London many years ago. Um, uh, and I went, went there and, and he was preaching. And I, I said, okay, Lord, um, I, need, I need a touch from you. So I, I was standing there and these pastors came and they would like lay hands on me. And I, I felt like they were pushing me. I said, no, I'm not going down. You guys just... Happy clappy stuff where you push a person on the floor. It's not for me. I'm going to like stay on my ground. So like I stood like this, like a bull. And they, one or two guys came and prayed and they went away. And then all of a sudden I'm standing there and there's no one around me. And all of a sudden, I hit the deck. Like no one was praying for me. And God said, okay, I'm going to, let you, I'm going to show you. And he, he floored me. But it wasn't so much about falling or anything. But I, I was on the floor and I just felt God's presence. Yeah, excuse the pun. But uh, I felt God's presence. Like I, I felt nails go through my hand. I felt my hands were on fire. And, and I, I, I could just sense God just pouring himself over me. And, and that's, a, that, that's a story which is really cool for me. But to test me out of that, okay, the, the, the better part of the story is when I got up, I was drunk. I was smashed. I, was, I couldn't walk. And I was there. I actually took some youth of our church there and I asked the one guy, can you drive? You know, he didn't have a license. Can you drive? Because I can't. <laughs> I might drive into a tree or something. So I just gave keys to some youngster to say, you're driving, okay? So that's a cool story. But the testimony is, you know, God released something in me that, that time. That encounter did something in my life. It released me. It actually released the gifts. It, it just released the operation of the gifts of the Spirit within me. He just poured that in, and, and there was power that went in. There was power. I mean, that I, I, I was like totally out of it because that, that, that power, that feeling of that of, of the nail and the and the, and the, the fire, it was just so powerful. And and God released that power in me, so I received that. There was an anointing in that place, and God just anointed me with that. And I was like, yes. So test me. God has used that. He's given me the ability to then take that. What's inside him? It's a reminder to me that I, I, I can step out and I can go and pray for people and I can um, heal in Jesus' name and, and I can set people free because that's what Jesus did for me and I can just be a conduit for it. It's not about me. It's just what, what God's done in me. So I, I just want to challenge, challenge you tonight. Um, there's, there's one or two more testimonies that I maybe want to share. Um, um, I feel tonight is also about identity, and, and there's one or two sort of testimonies that I feel are important in terms of releasing identity, self-image. I think a lot of people struggle with self-image in one way or another. I still do. There's certain, even though I say I'm quite confident, when I go into a shopping center and a little kid stands and looks at me, I feel a little bit self, self-conscious self about it, and I was like, look at him and say, hello, and you're like, a bit weird. <laughs> 
but it's cool. So um, I, just, I just felt that um, Dunay and Is, Ismaray need to just share their stories and their testimonies just to, just to release something in terms of self-image and restoration and forgiveness as well. Hallo jylle, ek is Esma Rijn. En op school het ek altijd gesikkel met my selfbeeld. Ek het nooit gedink, ek is goed genoeg vir enige iemand nie. Ek het nooit gedink, ek is goed genoeg vir my vriende nie. En ek het achtergekom, mens kan nooit gezonde verhoudings hee, as jy nie lief is vir jouself en jouself aanvoor, soos wat jy is nie. En hulle het die vees erg gekies in metriek, en ek het rarig gedink, ek gaan ook een leier word, en toe ek nie een woord nie, toe, toe is my selfbeeld nog meer afgegaan, maar um, die Heere het daarom vir my geleentheid gegeen om hoofdregent te wees, en ook om in die eerste span netbol te speel, maar nog steeds wat my selfbeeld nie wat het moes wees nie, en tot in my derde jaar, ek is nou vierde jaar, toe ek gesikkel nog steeds daarmee, en toe, toe die Heere net een dag vir my gesê dat, Toe ek gevoel die vers, um, Psalm 139 vers 14, u het my op een wonderbaarlik, wonderbaarlijke wijze geskep, wat u gedoen het, vervul my met verwondering. Die vers het rarag net my hart geraak, en ek het, ge, ek het besef dat, as die Heere my gemaakt het, en ek leef nog, dan wil hy my gebruik op die orde. En ja, as, as ek nog gedoel het, okay, as ek nog leef, dan het ek nog gedoel op die orde. En Hy het sy sien gestuur om vir my sonders te sterf, en dan, dan, dan moet ek toch iets vir hom beteken, en ja, um, dan wil ek ook net deel oor, um, ek bly ook alleen in poots, in my eie woonstel, en baie keer voel ek rarig baie alleen, en dan denk ek by myself, ok, as ek nou een karel kan hee, of iets soos dit, dan sal ek nou gelukkig wees, maar, dan denk ek, maar as ek een karel moes hee, dan sal ek nou seker al enig gehad het, want Die Heere sal toch vir my gee wat ek nodig het om gelukkig te wees. En, um, okay. Okay, en ek is nog steeds op een journey om um, my geluk in die Heere te vind. Maar ons pastoor het een keer gesê dat, is Jesus rarig genoeg vir jou? As jou man jou pa doodgaan en soos as jou man en jou vrou doodgaan, is Jesus rarig genoeg vir jou? En ek is nog steeds op die journey waar ek nog steeds moet kom waar Jesus genoeg is vir my. So, Maar ek kan sê dat ek het al my geluk net in mense geprobeer vind en my geluk op my vriende gebouw en op een ou gebouw en op een tijd het ek hulle allemaal verloor en toe besef ek, waarop moet ek nou my geluk bou as allemaal weg is? En toe, toe kom ek achter, dit is net op die Heere. Soos dit is net hy wat vir jou eeuwig vreugde kan gee, want hy is elke dag daar en hy is elke dag die selfde. Ja, baie dankie. Hallo jylle, ek het gedink ek gaan in Engels praat, maar ek is baie dankbaar, ek hoef nie. Um, so, ek het ook groot geword in een kerk waar die jyre vir my, omdat die kerk baie boring was, het ek gedink, um, die jyre is een boring, streng, rigide man, wat net pak sla uitdeel. En hy is net daar om jy te tuchtig en dit is wat het is. Um, en ek denk, die rede hoekom ek so gedink het, was omdat my pa een baie um, noors man was. Ek denk nie, hy het dit probeer doen nie, maar um, hy het baie noors voorgekom, maar hy het altyd baie goed gesorg. So, in my brein was um, die heren altyd daar om te sorg, um, 
en want my pa kon financieel sorg, en dit was omtrend dit. Um, <coughs> toe gaan ek oorskool toe, en natuurlijk, as een meisie nie, klein dochterkie nie, aandacht by pa kry, as hy klein is nie, dan gaan soek sy dit by maans, as hy ouwer word. Um, so ek het een paar toksiese verhoudings gehad, op oorskool, en baie um, sexual immorality gehad, en, kan nie gelijk sê dit nie, um, dit was net rarig so, so slecht vir my, want ek het myself helemaal oorgegeen aan sonde, omdat ek gevoel het, um, die heren wil my net straf, en hy is nie rarig lief vir my nie, en hy is nie kind nie, en hy is nie a loving father nie, en ek, ek onthou die eerste keer, toe ek by vriendin keir, en ek sien, sy sit op een paas en skoot die doog ek, soos dit is verkrachting, want ek kan nie dink dat, dat dochter op een paas en skoot kan sit nie, dit is vir my soos vreemd, en ek net besef op, um, op universiteit, daar was nooit een revelation wat gebeur het nie, maar ek net besef dat ons dien een sachte, liefdevolle God, wat die beste vir ons wil hee, en hy is so lief vir ons, en hy wil ons beskerm, en hy rejoice in ons, en het was vir my so cool om sy karakter so te leer ken, en elke dag is ek nog bezig om sy karakter te leer ken, en ja, dit is net vir my so kruid om te weet, so, ja, <laughs> oh, we got a great God, amazing God that is just so interested in us and we can find our identity in him, not in people, not in what people think, not in, in our circumstances, but God is, God is interested in, 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 in us. Share one more testimony before we continue. Soos ek voel net, is ons daar ook een meisie, so met wie ek nou met praat, maar um, ek wil net, soos eindelijk vir jou sê, dat Louise sê, dit is rarig gekei. Um, soos ek, ek was in een seksuele verhouding geweest vir twee jaar, waar, um, soos, ek het gegloon God, en ek het altijd my Carol probeer, soos op die rechte pad hou, en vir hom gebed, en um, elke keer is ons nou, en team geraak het met mekaar, dan het ek baie, soos, ek het baie feil gevoel, en sê ek vir my, wat ons doen is nie recht nie, en um, dan bid ons nou kamstag, en vroom verskoning, en ons sal dit nie weer doen nie, en dan volgende keer dan gebeur het maar net weer, en um, so dit vir omtrent een halve jaar aangegaan, en um, wil ek rarig net, soos hier die seer ervoor het, want ek kon nie verstaan, hoekom, hoekom ek nie so stadier gaan nie, want vir hom was het absoluut niks nie, soos dit was vir hom rarig nie, enig iets om oor te heil, of om oor seer te heen nie, en um, toe die laaste keer, wat eindelijk op ons twee jaar um, herdenking, of nee, nou nie herdenking nie, maar soos anniversary gaan, dat ons nou twee jaar som is, het ons dit obviously weer een team geraak, waar um, ek soveel pijn ervoor het, dat, soos ek het nie vergenaai, en hy bou nie ophou nie, en, um, soos, die Heer het my rarig sook om heel moek, soos ek het omgehad, ek wou niks met die Heer te doen, God het nie, want ek kon nie verstaan, soos, hoekom, hoe kan hy iemand wat hy kom sê so lief het, so seer moek nie, en, um, Ek het eindelijk een week daarna, het ek kerk toe gegaan en 
Dit was eigenlijk my eerste keer in Schaufar gewees en um, dit heb ik niet gebed vir, vir houdings. En ek het ook voor hen toe gegaan en ek het gerespond en die Heer het net vir my hierdie vrijheid gegeen en ek het my karel die volgende ochtend, ek het nie eens, want hy was in Bloemfontein. Ek kon letterlijk nie wacht vir die naweek om om, soos om die verhouding te beëindig nie. Ek moest dit op die oomlik doen en ek moest dit, ek het om gevideokoor, dit is hoe slecht dit was, maar dit moest door eindig, soos die heren het my gesê, dit is voorbij, ek kan nie meer nie, en um, ek het vir een maand lang so boor gedrink, dat ek seker nie een keer nuchter was nie, want dit was so seer gewees, maar um, <coughs> wat ek eindelijk net wil sê, soos met wie ook kan ek vanavond praat, soos die heren sê, dit is rarig gekei, um, hy kom maak rarig heel, soos die heren het letterlik my hart nie so gevat en het by mekaar gesit en ek het niks meer seer nie, soos ek het gedink ek sal nooit die man kan vergewe nie en ek is eindelijk het is boog vreemd, maar ek het die opgewondenheid om enig en om vast te lip en vir hom te vraag hoe gaan het met jou, want ek hoort hom nie meer nie, want ek meen die Heere vergewe en die Heere het my heel gemaakt soos hy my kan heel maak, kan hy jou ook heel maak, so ja, die Heere is herig boog goed <laughs> Sorry, I, I just feel like I want to translate that. Um, so you must just hit me if I get it wrong. Um, for those of you who don't understand Afrikaans, um, basically she, she told the story of being in a relationship and being sexually active in, in that relationship. And all the guilt and condemnation and shame she would experience every time they had sex. And in the same way she knew that this is not right in the eyes of God. And that's actually where this guilt and condemnation and shame came from. But through this all, she started to get a heart and heart also towards God because she couldn't understand that a God of love, how can he allow a, a, his ch- child to actually experience so much shame and guilt? And, um, and obviously her heart was to stop with this sexual relationship, but it, it just never happened. So she would, they would find themselves being intimate every now and again. And then basically on her... On the two-year anniversary of their relationship, um, they again were intimate, and then she just started crying, I believe, that same evening, and she just cried and had all this pain and all this pain and actually anger towards God. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it was a, obviously a very traumatic experience for her. And then a week later, she went to t- church where she experienced God. And there was just a freedom and a love of God that actually brought so much healing into her heart. And it, just a grace enablement for her to um, firstly stop the relationship to within like a day or whatever to call the boyfriend and say it's gone. And a grace enablement to actually yeah, turn away from that stuff and a, a freedom. And even though she had a month of like giving herself to alcohol and stuff um, God helped her through that and now she's in a position where she's totally free um, actually excited excited um, for her own future I believe in that aspect but also just excited to see that ex-boyfriend and to ask how he is doing and you know it's just a testament of how God um, for years she tried to tell the boyfriend what we're doing is wrong we must stop and she tried to Christianize him but he, he never felt the shame. He never felt the guilt. 
he just obviously enjoyed it and was never willing to actually accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior at that stage, hopefully now. So, uh, um, so that's just a word for people here that's, that's actually in a relationship, not even married, and you're caught in a sexual relationship. And, um, and you know what you're doing is actually just being a blockage between you and God. And you know what you're doing is bring so much shame and so much guilt. And when you enter the doors of the church, you feel so guilty. And you feel so ashamed. Um, and, yeah, if anyone can relate, when we pray now, I want you to come to the front. We're not going to shame anyone or whatever. But when people, when we start praying for people, I want you to share that and come to the front and trust for that same grace enablement for you to make the decision for the kingdom of heaven. Okay, to stop that sinful n- n- nature and to be released of the shame and the guilt. Um, even myself, I had a, a moment where, where um, God had to redeem and, um, and sexual shame brought so much, um, what's the word, a barrier or condemnation. But actually Nastasha, my wife, had a word for me. It, it brought so, it stole my identity in Christ. So that's what it's doing. It's not only just a, it's not only just a divide, but stealing off of what God has planned for you as his heir and as his child. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.